ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد So in the last session we were discussing some of the virtues of fasting, some of the rewards for fasting, and some of the various types of uh, hadith and narrations that have been mentioned about the virtues of the one who fasts and the rewards that he gains. Uh, and so we discussed, for example, the hadith where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned كل عمل ابن آدم له يضاعف الحسن بعشر أمثالها إلى سبعمائة ضعف قال الله تعالى إلا السوم فإنه لي وأنا أجزي به That all of the actions of the sons of Adam are for them The reward of them is multiplied Ten times over Up to seven hundred times over However the fasting is for me And I will reward the individual upon it. The fasting is for me and I will reward the individual upon it. Meaning that the reward for fasting is not restricted. The reward for fasting is not restricted to any particular number. Rather the reward for fasting is unrestricted. It is an open reward. It is not limited to the 700 multiplication. It can be open and more than that. Hence this indicates to you a great virtue of the act of fasting. That Allah will reward the person without restriction. On top of that, the scholars have mentioned that another meaning of this narration, that fasting is for me, فَإِنَّهُ لِي That fasting is for Allah. Another meaning of that is that this act of worship has within it sincerity. Because when a person is fasting, then you cannot tell whether he is fasting or not. By just looking at a person, you do not know whether he is fasting or he is not fasting. Hence, that act has a greater degree of sincerity in it. It is not something that you can show people. Because it cannot be seen whether you are fasting or not. And similarly, when you are alone, you could eat, secretly eat, and then come out to the people, and they would not know that you have secretly eaten. They would not know that you are not fasting. But you do not do that, knowing that Allah sees you. Hence, this act has a greater degree of that sincerity. Since it is not something that you can show the people that you're doing. Also from the meanings of fasting being for Allah. Then some of the salaf, some of the scholars they mentioned, the likes of Ibn Uyayna, rahimahullah and others, that fasting is for Allah, meaning that on the day of judgment, when an individual has his accountability, if He had wronged other people. And there were other people who needed to get their rights back from him. 
then that justice will be done on that day. And he will have to give some of his good deeds to those people that he wronged. Just like in the hadith when the Prophet ﷺ mentioned, أَتَدْرُونَ مَنِ الْمُفْلِسِ Do you know who the bankrupt one is? قَالُوا مَنْ لَا دِرْهَمَ وَلَا دِينَارَ لَهُ The Sahaba, they said, the one who doesn't have any money, no dirham, no dinar. But then the Prophet ﷺ explained to them, لَيْسَ كَمَا تَظُنُّونَ it is not as you think. Rather, the bankrupt one on the day of judgment will be the one who did worship. He had worship, prayer, fasting, etc. He had worship. But he had wronged the people, taken their rights in this world. So on that day, those people will come demanding their rights back that he took from them. How he oppressed them and wronged them in this world. They want their rights back. So what will happen? That individual will have to remove some of his good deeds from his good side of the weighing scale and give them to those people to balance out the affair and to make justice and to give their rights back. However, from all of his good deeds, he will have to start doing that, giving good deeds out to these people who he had wronged to give them justice and to give them their rights back. From his good deeds, he gives them, except for the good deed of fasting. Whatever fasting he did, that deed is for him. He will not be asked and he will not be taking out from his fasting deeds to give to others. The fasting is kept for the individual himself. Because that fasting, as this hadith says, is for Allah, it is not for the people. So when that recompense of the deeds is occurring, and the rights are being returned to the ones that he wronged, he will have to take out all of his good deeds, his various good deeds, and start giving them to them. Except for his good deed of fasting, he will not take anything from that. That good deed of fasting remains for him. That deed of fasting is not taken out to return the rights. So that is again a great virtue from the virtues of fasting. Also we mentioned regarding the hadith, that the fasting person has two times of happiness. Once when he opens his fast, and once when he meets his Lord. As for when he opens his fast, because he has been able to complete that act of worship, he has been able to fulfill the fasting for the day. So he is grateful to Allah and he is happy that he has completed this act of worship to Allah. And as for the happiness when meeting your Lord, then that is due to knowing that Allah will now reward him upon that fasting and give him his uh, recompense, the good recompense, the good reward upon this obedience that he had performed. And because on that day, as the hadith mentions, إِنَّ فِي الْجَنَّةِ بَابًا يُقَالُ لَهُ الرَّيَّانِ That indeed in paradise there is a door and it is called الرَّيَّانِ لا يدخل منه إلا صائمون. Nobody enters in from that gate, in from that door, except the people who fast. If they have gone in, فَإِذَا دَخَلُوا أُغْلِقْ When they have gone in, the people who fast, the door will be closed. And nobody else enters in from that door. So these are all from the great virtues of fasting. In today's session then, we move on to a new topic regarding fasting again, or particularly the month of Ramadan, and that is with regards to the Qur'an. 
with regards to the recitation of the Qur'an, the virtues of the Qur'an. So Ash-Shaykh Al-Thaymeen, rahimahullah ta'ala mentions, with regards to the Qur'an, that there are many narrations in the Sunnah, which highlight to you the importance of the Qur'an, and that a person should not ever neglect the Qur'an, Rather, you should be upon connection with the Qur'an. So, from amongst those narrations that are mentioned in the Sunnah, regarding the virtues of the Qur'an, and learning the Qur'an, and implementing and practicing the Qur'an, there is a hadith in Sahih al-Bukhari. In Sahih al-Bukhari, the hadith of Uthman ibn Affan, رضي الله عنه أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال خيركم من تعلم القرآن وعلمه The best of you is the one who learns the Quran and teaches it. The best of you is the one who learns the Quran and teaches it. خيركم من تعلم القرآن وعلمه This hadith indicates to you the great virtue of the Qur'an. Hadith indicates to you the great virtue of learning the Qur'an and teaching the Qur'an that the Prophet ﷺ attributed to the one who does it this great level of goodness. Khayrukum, the best from amongst you. The best from amongst you are the ones who learn the Qur'an and teach the Qur'an. So this is one of the narrations that indicates to you the great uh, virtue of the Qur'an and learning the Qur'an and teaching the Qur'an. Then there is another hadith which explains the reward an individual gets for reciting the Qur'an. Or there are several ahadith that talk about the reward an individual gets for reciting the Qur'an. So there is one hadith, the hadith of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, radiyallahu anhu, that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, مَنْ قَرَأَ حَرْفًا مِنْ كِتَابِ اللَّهِ فَلَهُ بِهِ حَسَنَةِ وَالْحَسَنَةُ بِعَشْرِ أَمْثَالِهَا لَا أَقُولُ أَلِفْ لَا مِمْ حَرْفِ بَلْ أَلِفْ وَلَكِنْ ألف حرف ولام حرف وميم حرف رواه الترمذي In this hadith the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said Whoever recites one letter from the Quran then he will have by that a reward He will have for that a reward And every reward is multiplied ten times over Tenfold Every reward, every good deed is multiplied by ten. So ten good deeds for that one good deed. But then the Prophet ﷺ said, لا أقول ألف لام ميم حرف I don't mean, and I'm not saying, that ألف لام ميم is one letter that you get ten rewards for. But actually, ألف is a letter, لام is a letter, and ميم is a letter. So when you recite Alif, Lam, Mim, that already is 30 rewards for reciting that one word. 
So that indicates to you the greatness of reward for the one who recites the Qur'an. There are other narrations, the hadith in Al-Bukhari and Muslim, the hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha, where the Prophet ﷺ explained, even the person who struggles to read the Qur'an, he stutters in reciting the Qur'an. He struggles to recite the Qur'an, but he tries and he makes the effort and he wants to learn, and he's attending to learn and he's learning from the teacher. Even if he's struggling and he's stuttering, then it's mentioned in the hadith, الَّذِي يَقْرَأُ الْقُرْآنَ فِيهِ وَهُوَ عَلَيْهِ شَاقٌ لَهُ أَجْرَانٌ A person who reads the Qur'an and he stutters and he can't read it properly, then for him will be two rewards. If he struggles in the recitation of the Qur'an, he's trying, he's making the effort, he's trying to learn, but he's struggling yet, and he's stuttering, and it's difficult upon him, but he's making the effort and he's learning and he's trying to learn it, then he will get two rewards. What are those two rewards? Al-Ajran ahaduhuma ala tilawa. One of the two rewards for the very fact that he is reading, he is reading the Quran. Wathani ala mashaqqatiha ala al-qari. The second reward for the difficulty that he burdens in trying to read the Qur'an. He is patient upon that difficulty, patient upon the stuttering, patient upon the uh, difficulty he faces when trying to read, but he's making that effort, he's persistent, he's patient, he's learning. Then he has two rewards, one for that difficulty which he burdens in that process, and one that he does actually in the end read. So a reward for reading, one reward for reading, and one reward for the effort of trying and that difficulty which he faces. Then also, other narrations tell us about the virtues of the Qur'an and the recitation of the Qur'an. In a hadith in Sahih Muslim, the hadith of Abu Umama, radiyallahu anhu, he said that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, اِقْرَأُوا الْقُرْآنَ فَإِنَّهُ يَأْتِي يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ شَفِيعًا لِأَصْحَابِهِ Read the Qur'an because it will come on the day of judgment as an intercessor for its people. I.e. the ones who used to read the Qur'an. The Qur'an will come as an intercessor for its people, the ones who used to read it. And this is similar to the narration that we did the last time. That hadith which mentioned that the fasting and the Qur'an will intercede on behalf of their people on the Day of Judgment. The fasting will say, I prevented him, مَنَعَتُهُ مِنَ الطَّعَامِ وَمِنَ الشَّهْوَةِ I prevented him from food and from desire. فَشَفِّعْنِي فِيهِ So allow me to intercede for him. And the Qur'an will say, مَنَعَتُهُ مِنَ النَّوْمِ I prevented him from sleeping. Because he was awake reciting the Qur'an and reading and praying. فَشَفِّعْنِي فِي So allow me to intercede for him. So then it is mentioned in the hadith, فَيَشْفَعَانِي The Qur'an and the fasting will intercede for that person. The Qur'an and the fasting will then intercede on behalf of that individual. So this again indicates the great reward 
of the one who focuses on the Qur'an and recites and reads the Qur'an. In another hadith in Sahih Muslim, hadith in Sahih Muslim, the hadith of Uqbah ibn Amr, رضي الله عنه أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال أفلا يغدو أحدكم إلى المسجد فيتعلم أو فيقرأ آيتين من كتاب الله عز وجل خير له من ناقتين وثلاث خير له من ثلاث وأربع خير له من أربع ومن أعدادهن من الإبل in this hadith, the Prophet ﷺ said, If one of you was to go to the masjid, go to the masjid and learn the Qur'an or read two ayat from the Qur'an, then that would be better for you than two camels. To go and read two ayat in the Qur'an, from the Qur'an, that is more virtuous and better for you than having two camels, of the she-camels. And if you recite three ayat, that is still better for you than owning three she-camels. Four ayat, better than having four she-camels. And male camels too. Camels in those days, it is known, they were valuable, precious items to own camels. So the example was given. Reciting a couple of ayat from the Qur'an, three ayat from the Qur'an, four ayat from the Qur'an, that is better for you, more virtuous for you, more rewardful for you, than even possessing and owning two camels, three camels, four camels. And in those days, that was a luxury, a precious, a valuable, expensive item to have camels. But here the hadith is telling you, better for you to recite the Qur'an two or three ayat than owning two or three or four camels. Hence, this tells you again the great virtue and the great reward of reciting the Qur'an. There is another hadith in Sahih Muslim also, the hadith of Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu. Where he mentions أَنَّ النَّبِيَّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ قَالْ مَجْتَمَعَ قَوْمٌ فِي بَيْتٍ مِنْ بُيُوتِ اللَّهِ يَتَلُونَ كِتَابَ اللَّهِ وَيَتَدَارَسُونَهُ فِيمَا بَيْنَهُمْ That there is not a group of people who come together in a house from the houses of Allah and they recite the book of Allah and they study it together. إِلَّا نَزَلَتْ عَلَيْهِمُ السَّكِينَةِ وَغَشِيَتْهُمُ الرَّحْمَةِ وَحَفَّتْ بِهِمُ الْمَلَائِكَةِ وَذَكَرَهُمُ اللَّهُ فِي مَنْ عِنْدَهِ Except what will occur. If a group of people come together in the masjid and they sit there and they recite the Qur'an and they study the Qur'an, then what will occur? The serenity and the peace and the tranquility descends upon them. And the mercy of Allah encompasses them. And the angels encompass them. The peace, the tranquility, the serenity descends upon them. The mercy of Allah descends upon them and engulfs them. The angels encompass them. These are all the virtues of those people who sit in the masajid, reading, learning, memorizing the Qur'an, studying the Qur'an. And... ذَكَرَهُمُ اللَّهُ فِي مَنْ عِنْدَهِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions those people to those who are with Him in the heavens or there from the inhabitants of the heavens, the angels, etc. Allah mentions these people from His servants to them. 
So this is all from the great virtues of those who recite and study and focus their time on the Qur'an. Then also, it is important to realize and to recognize that the Qur'an, when a person reads it and learns it and memorizes it, then it requires effort to maintain that memorization. It requires effort to make sure that you don't forget what you have memorized. And that is mentioned in a hadith, that you have to keep revising again and again, otherwise you will end up forgetting. The hadith, which is agreed upon in Al-Bukhari and Muslim, the Prophet ﷺ said, تَعَاهَدُوا الْقُرْآنِ فَوَالَّذِي نَفْسِي بِيَدِهِ لَهُوَ أَشَدُّ تَفَلُّتًا مِنَ الْإِبْلِ فِي عُقَلِهَا Be regular with the Qur'an. Be regular with the Qur'an. For indeed by the one whom my soul is in his hand, لَهُوَ أَشَدُّ تَفَلُّتًا مِنَ الْإِبْلِ فِي عُقَلِهَا That it is quicker in escaping than a camel from its knot. That it will escape, it will go from you, if you do not regularly revise over what you have memorized. So it is not just a case of memorizing quickly and moving from one to the next, and moving from section to section and never going back to your original sections. That way you will forget what you have memorized. Hence we mentioned that example before, there used to be this brother, Hafiz of the Qur'an, about 18 years old he was. Hafiz of the Qur'an and he used to revise his full Qur'an every six days. Five juz a day he would revise. So for example on the first day starts from Surah Al-Baqarah, the first five juz inwards, he would revise them on Monday for example. Tuesday from where he ended up, the next five juz, he would revise them. Where he ended up, the next five juz on Wednesday. The next five Thursday, the next five Friday, he's finished the full Qur'an. Or Saturday he finishes the full Qur'an. Six days, five juz every day, he would revise his whole Qur'an. That's the only way. You have to revise the previous sections. If a person is only pushing on ahead memorizing, and never going back to the original sections he's memorized, they will be forgotten. And you'll become weak in them. Hence, here it mentions in the hadith, تَعَاهَدُوا Quran. Be regular with the Qur'an, sticking to it always. Going over it, revising it, memorizing it, checking it. Has to be done otherwise, whatever you memorize and learn, slowly but surely it'll erode away. And as Shaykh Ali Nasir al-Faqihi, Hafizahullah Ta'ala mentioned, that this is from the miracles of the Qur'an. It is from the miracles of the Qur'an. That a person, no matter how strong his memory might be, and no matter how much he memorizes it, if you don't keep revising it, the Qur'an is such that you will end up forgetting. It is from the miracles. Why is that a miracle of the Qur'an? Because it means that a person must constantly revise it. And that's why the Shaykh used to mention even the Imams of the Haram. The Imams, you know, uh, Shaykh Ali al-Hudayfi and the other Imams, they maybe memorized the Qur'an decades ago. Not just five years ago, ten years ago. Some of these Imams memorized the Qur'an 50, 60 years ago. 70 years ago maybe some of them. But despite having memorized the Qur'an so many years ago, 
And imagine every single year they are leading the prayer. Every single year they are leading the taraweeh. Throughout the year, every night they are leading the isha, leading the fajr. All the time, Quran, Quran. But still, they have to keep going back and sitting down and revising. They will never be able to just leave it and say, it's been 70 years every year, I've been leading the prayers every year, I've been doing the full Quran in taraweeh. Don't need to revise anymore. If that is the case, then slowly you'll start to forget. So no matter how strong your memory and how much you've been doing it, Shaykh Ali used to say it's from the miracles of the Qur'an, that no matter how much your memory is, you have to keep going back to it. You have to keep going back to your old sections. You have to keep checking them over, because if you don't, you will forget. So here the hadith says exactly that. Ta'ahadul Qur'an. Be regular with the Qur'an and go back to the Qur'an and ensure that you are learning it and memorizing it and keeping it in mind. Then with regards to the Qur'an, we know of course the Qur'an as a whole has its virtues. The Qur'an as a whole has its virtues. But then there are certain parts of the Qur'an which have been mentioned as having a greater virtue. Certain parts of the Qur'an have been mentioned as having a greater virtue. So it is known that the greatest ayah of the Qur'an is Ayatul Kursi. That the greatest ayah of the Qur'an is Ayatul Kursi. And the greatest surah of the Qur'an is Suratul Fatiha. Suratul Fatiha it is mentioned the Prophet said to Abu Sa'id ibn al-Mu'alla anhu, I will teach you the greatest surah of the Qur'an. And then he said to him, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Hiya sab'ul mathani fil Qur'an. Al-sab'ul mathani, what does that mean? That the Fatiha is As-Sab'ul Mathani. The scholars have mentioned one of the meanings of that is that it is the Surah which is repeated often and it is read often because every single prayer, every single raka'ah, you have to recite these seven verses of Surah Al Fatiha. Surah Al Fatiha, seven verses. You have to recite and repeat these seven verses in every single raka'ah. Hence, they are repeated and recited often and often and often, all the time. Hence, known as as-sab'ul mathani. The seven often repeated verses. Seven oft repeated verses. As-sab'ul mathani. Uh, so then the Prophet ﷺ said, Hiya as-sab'ul mathani wal-Qur'anul azim alladhi utitu. وَمِنْ أَجْلِ فَضِيلَتِهَا كَانَتْ قِرَاءَتُهَا رُكْنًا فِي الصَّلَاءِ لَا تَصِحُّ الصَّلَاءِ إِلَّا بِهَا From the great virtue of Surah Al-Fatiha is that it has been made a pillar of the prayer and that your prayer is not correct without it. Hence, some of the scholars hold the opinion that you must recite Surah Al-Fatiha in every single prayer, no matter what your circumstance. Because there are three possible circumstances when you are praying. 
what are the three possible states of prayer? Or Munfarid. So you're either going to be the Imam. You may be in a given prayer, the Imam. You're leading the congregation. Or you could be one of the people in the congregation being led by the Imam. Or you might be praying a prayer sometime when you are praying completely by yourself, not in a congregation. So when you pray, there's three possibilities. Either you'll be praying by yourself, not in a congregation. Or you'll be praying in the congregation as the Imam. You might be the Imam in a particular prayer. Or you're in the congregation as one of the congregation, being led by the Imam. Three possibilities. If you're praying by yourself, Munfarid, then there is no difference of opinion at all. You must recite Al-Fatiha in every rak'ah. If you pray by yourself a prayer and you don't recite the Fatiha in the rak'ah, then it's not correct. When you're praying by yourself, every single rak'ah you must recite Al-Fatiha. If you're the Imam, second situation, you're now the Imam. You're going to lead everybody else in that prayer. Again, no difference of opinion. If you are the Imam, you must recite Fatiha in every single rak'ah. The third possibility is that you are in the congregation, one of the congregation being led by the Imam. Here the scholars have a difference of opinion. Three main opinions you could say. One opinion is that even in that situation, as one of the people in the congregation being led by the Imam, you have to recite Al-Fatiha in every single rak'ah. That's one opinion. And they have various evidences. مَنْ لَمْ يَقْرَأْ بِفَاتِحَةِ الْكِتَابِ فَلَا صَلَاةَ لَهُ Whomsoever does not recite with the Fatiha of the book, then there is no prayer for him. لَا صَلَاةَ لِمَنْ لَمْ يَقْرَأْ بِفَاتِحَةِ الْكِتَابِ No prayer for the one who does not read with the Fatiha. So they say, even if you're in congregation, same applies to you. If you don't recite the Fatiha, your prayer doesn't count. So one opinion of the scholars is, you've got to recite the Fatiha in all three circumstances then. Whether you're alone or whether you're the imam, that's agreed upon anyway. And if you're in the congregation, they say you too still have to recite Fatiha in every rak'ah. Even if you can hear the imam reciting, you're being led by the imam, you can hear him reciting, he's reading out loud in Fajr, Maghrib, Isha, you've still got to do it as well. That's one opinion. The second opinion is, if you're in the congregation being led by the imam, you don't have to read it. If you're in the congregation being led by the imam, you don't have to read it. And they use various evidences for that. The ayah in the Qur'an which says, When the Qur'an is recited, Then listen to it. When the Qur'an is being recited, then listen to it. They say, okay, when you're in the congregational prayer, the imam is the one reciting. So you listen to him. Listen to his recitation. Don't recite yourself. Because the ayah in the Qur'an says, when the Qur'an is recited, then listen to it. They say, okay, when the imam is reciting, so you listen to it. Don't recite yourself. If you're reciting yourself, you can't listen to him. Also the hadith, Qira'atul imami qira'atun lah. The recitation of the imam is covering you. It's the recitation for you as well done. You don't have to do it yourself. So they have certain narrations like that. And they have the opinion, therefore, if you are in the congregation behind the imam, you don't have to recite. 
There is a third opinion. The statement of Sheikh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah and Sheikh al-Fawzan mentioned in one of his books that perhaps it is aqwal, maybe the most balanced and just of the opinions. And that third opinion is that the scholars say if you are in the congregation being led by the imam, because that's the situation we're talking about, if you're praying by yourself or you are the imam, there's no difference of opinion, you have to recite. But if you're in the congregation, this third opinion says, recite the Fatiha yourself, if it's a quiet prayer, so you are in the congregation praying Asr or Dhuhr, quiet prayers, you're not going to hear the Imam recite the Fatiha. They say in that case, if you're in the congregation in a quiet prayer, where you're not going to hear the Imam recite, then you've got to recite yourself. But if you're in the congregation in a loud prayer, for example, Fajr or Maghrib, the first two raka'at, and Isha, the first two raka'at, in those instances they say you're going to hear the Imam recite Fatiha. So if you can hear him reciting it, you don't have to do it, his recitation covers you. So in the third opinion they say, if it is a loud prayer where you can hear the Imam reciting, then you don't have to recite. But if it's a quiet prayer that you're in the congregation of, so you can't hear the Imam reciting like Dhuhr and Asr, then you have to recite yourself. That is the third opinion. This is an old issue that the scholars have differed about for a long time. And the most comprehensive opinion, of course, is to recite it in every prayer, in every rak'ah, in every situation. Because that way, you've definitely made sure you've got yourself out of the difference of opinion if you recite but perhaps the most balanced of the opinions, as Sheikh Al-Fawzan mentioned, was that in the loud prayers, don't recite, but in the quiet prayers, do recite. If you're being led in the congregation. Then also, on top of that, there are certain, that is uh, the Surah uh, Al-Fatiha, the virtues of it. There are also other Surahs of the Qur'an that have virtues. There are also other Surahs of the Qur'an that have virtues. So, مِنَ السُّورِ الْمُعِيَّنَةِ سُورَةُ الْبَقَرَةِ وَسُورَةُ آلِ عِمْرَانِ Surah Al-Baqarah and Surah Ali Imran also have virtues attached to them. The Prophet ﷺ said, اِقْرَأُوا الزَّهْرَاوَيْنِ الْبَقَرَةِ وَآلِ عِمْرَانِ فَإِنَّهُمَ يَأْتِيَانِ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ كَأَنَّهُمَ غَمَامَتَانِ أَوْ غَيَايَتَانِ أَوْ كَأَنَّهُمَ فِرْقَانِ مِنْ طَيْرٍ سَوَّافًا تُحَاجَّانِ عَنْ أَصْحَابِهِمَا اِقْرَأُوا سُورَةَ الْبَقَرَةِ فَإِنَّ أَخْذَهَا بَرَكَةً وَتَرْكَهَا حَسْرًا لَا يَسْتَطِيعُهَا الْبَطَلًا Here the Prophet ﷺ mentioned in this narration regarding Surah Al-Baqarah and Surah Ali Imran how they will come on that day and it's mentioned like two large clouds or two large flocks of birds how they will come on that day and they will be testifying for the ones who used to memorize them and read them and practice them. So this is from the virtues of Surah Al-Imran and Surah Al-Baqarah. Similarly regarding Surah Al-Baqarah, it mentions, recite Surah Al-Baqarah, فَإِنَّ أَخْذَهَا baraka. Because knowing Surah Al-Baqarah, learning it, memorizing it, practicing it, there's baraka in that. Baraka in Surah Al-Baqarah. And tarkuha hasra leaving it, abandoning it, not learning it, then that will be a loss for you. That will be a loss. 
And the shayateen al-batala, they are not able to burden or handle hearing the recitation of al-baqarah. And that's why it's mentioned about reciting surah al-baqarah in your homes to exclude the shayateen from your homes. Because as the narration says, they cannot handle, they cannot burden the recitation of surah al-baqarah. Also from the great surahs which are mentioned, Al-Ikhlas. Surah Al-Ikhlas is mentioned regarding its great virtue. And also other surahs like, Qul a'udhu bi rabbil falaq, Qul a'udhu bi rabbil nas. All of these surahs are mentioned as particular virtues to them and recitation of them. So in the end, Al-Shaykh Al-Thaymini says, Ijtahidu ikhwani. Work hard, strive, my brothers. في كثرة قراءة القرآن المبارك. In reading the Quran a lot, reading this blessed Quran a lot, do it a lot, especially in this month of Ramadan. لا سيما في هذا الشهر, especially in this month. الذي أنزل فيه أو الذي أنزل فيه this month in which the Quran was revealed. فإن لكثرة القراءة فيه مزية خاصة. Because a person who reads the Qur'an a lot, then has a distinguishing reward in that. The one who reads the Qur'an a lot has a distinguishing reward in that. وَكَانَ السَّلَفُ الصَّالِحِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمْ يُكْثِرُونَ مِنْ تِلَاوَةِ الْقُرْآنِ فِي رَمَضَانِ فِي الصَّلَاةِ وَغَيْرِهَا The Salaf used to recite the Qur'an plentifully in Ramadan. The Salaf used to recite the Qur'an a lot, not just in the prayer, and in the Taraweeh prayer, but outside of that, in the spare time also, in the Ramadan, they would read the Qur'an a lot. In fact, not in the spare time. The reality is the Salaf would make all of their time in Ramadan their spare time. They would get rid of their other things and their other businesses and whatever else they had going on, and they would minimize the rest of that to make the majority of their time the spare time. So they could use that all in the recitation of the Qur'an. كان الزهري رحمه الله إذا دخل رمضان يقول إنما هو تلاوة القرآن وإطعام الطعام. الإمام الزهري, one of the great scholars of the past, used to say, if Ramadan comes, then there is nothing else other than recitation of the Quran and feeding the food, feeding the food for the iftar, etc., and reciting the Quran. That's the month of Ramadan. وكان مالك رحمه الله إذا دخل رمضان ترك قراءة الحديث ومجالس العلم. And it's mentioned uh, regarding about how some of the other scholars and some of the narrations are not authenticated and some of them are, how they used to uh, leave aside other aspects of knowledge and focus on the Qur'an. But the point of these narrations is, and some of them are not not authentic, uh, but some of them are, and they generally indicate to you how much effort and focus the scholars gave to the recitation of the Qur'an. وَكَانَ قَتَادَ رَحِمَهُ اللَّهِ يَخْتِمُ الْقُرْآنَ فِي كُلِّ سَبْعِ لِيَالِ دائماً في رمضان He used to finish the Qur'an, Imam Qatada, used to finish the Qur'an every seven nights in Ramadan. In Ramadan, every seven nights he would finish the Qur'an, reading it all. وَفِي كُلِّ ثَلَاثٍ وَفِي الْعَشْرِ الْأَخِيرِ مِنْهُ فِي كُلِّ لَيْلَةٍ Then, it is mentioned, rather what you should say is, Qatada rahimahullah normally, normally outside of Ramadan, used to finish the Qur'an once every week, once every seven days. In Ramadan, he would finish it all once every three days. 
outside of Ramadan, normally for the rest of the year, he'd go through the full Qur'an in a week. In the Ramadan, he would increase it and go through the full Qur'an in just three days. And in the last ten nights, it is mentioned, Qatada would finish the full Qur'an every single night. In the last ten nights. So if that being the case, how many times is he finishing the Qur'an in the month? Three nights, every three nights for the first 20 nights approximately, it takes to read it once. So in the last 10 nights approximately 10 times, and in the first 20 nights approximately 7-8 times, so 18 times approximately. And there are other narrations of other scholars more than that. There are some narrations of some scholars 30 times. Finishing the Quran in the month of Ramadan. وَكَانَ إِبْرَهِيمُ النَّخَعِي رَحِمَهُ اللَّهِ يَخْتِمُ الْقُرْآنَ فِي رَمَضَانِ فِي كُلِّ ثَلَاثِ لَيَالٍ وَفِي الْعَشْرِ الْأَوَاخِرِ فِي كُلِّ لَيْلَتَيْنِ النَّخَعِي إِبْرَهِيمُ النَّخَعِي From the Salaf, he used to finish the Quran every three nights also. And in the last ten nights, every two nights. So that's still well over uh, ten times finishing the whole Quran in the month of Ramadan. وَكَانَ الْأَسْوَدُ رَحِمَهُ اللَّهِ يَقْرَأُ الْقُرْآنَ كُلَّهُ فِي لَيْلَتَيْنِ فِي جَمِيعِ الشَّهْرِ He used to finish the Qur'an once every two nights for the whole of Ramadan. Fifteen times finish the Qur'an in Ramadan. Once every two nights. Every day, fifteen juz of the Qur'an. Recite fifteen juz of the Qur'an every day. In two days, finish the full Qur'an. Next two days, finish the full Qur'an again. Fifteen times in the month of Ramadan, he will finish the Qur'an. فَاقْتَدُوا رَحِمَكُمُ اللَّهِ بِهَاؤُلَاءِ الْأَخْيَارِ So the shaykh says, follow in the example of these great scholars, these uh, scholars. وَاتَّبِعُوا طَرِيقَهُمْ تَلْحَقُوا بِالْبَرَرَةِ الْأَطْحَارِ وَاغْتَنَمُوا سَاعَاتِ اللَّيْلِ وَالنَّهَارِ So use your time properly and uh, utilize the time in the night and in the day. بِمَا يُقَرِّبُكُمْ إِلَى الْعَزِيزِ الْغَفَارِ uh, And these actions, they will bring you closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَإِنَّ الْأَعْمَارِ تُطْوَى سَرِيعًا Your lives, they will be folded up quickly. Their days, the times, the months, they go quickly. There's nothing of it. وَالْأَوْقَاتِ ثَمْضِي جَمِيعًا وَكَأَنَّهَا سَاعًا مِنْ نَهَارِ And all of the time it disappears like it is just one hour of the day or one moment of the day. So the Shaykh, he mentions this advice regarding the Qur'an and particularly in this month of Ramadan for the people to strive in the recitation of it and not to use your time wastefully sitting around talking, doing nothing of usage, but rather to use your time not in discussions and general chit-chat and sitting around, but rather to use your time in practicing these types of examples in fulfilling the recitation of the Qur'an. So that's where we'll conclude today's sitting uh, from the sittings of a shaykh, uh, sittings of Ramadan. We'll conclude upon that point today and we'll do one more topic next week insha'Allah. Wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.